Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Cloud Wars Newsmakers. We're delighted to be speaking with Ritu Bhargava, who is president of SAP CX and Industries, about some interesting new things they've got going on. Ritu, great to see you. Great to see you too, Bob. Welcome. I hope 2024 is off to a good start for you. I can't believe that we're in 2024 already, but here we are. Indeed, indeed. So, Ritu, you know... Um, your your company's unique, and you've helped shape this policy with um, with SAP around CX. You've put CX and industries together. That's the business unit that you're in charge of. Talk about you know why you did that and how that is helping out your customers. Yeah, and you know the reality is that there's some aspect of this that is unique, and um, some aspect that some of our competitors have also in some shape or form toyed with or are kind of playing with. Um, and so as, as I think about how do you really think of CX and SAP and uh, and industries as a differentiator, as, as, as something that we can uniquely uh, grow. Uh, and that's, that's where it gets really interesting. Um, you know, because SAP, to your point earlier, is a is a big shop. We are a big enterprise company, uh, over four hundred thousand customers, uh, and so it's it's a huge footprint. And if you look at any industry, if you look at across the across the globe, we have some of the biggest customers um, in any in, in in any industry, and that's where it gets really really interesting for me. And as I know, I just completed two years here. And I've just been increasingly looking at how do we use that strength that we have that is SAP mm -hmm. and not try to go against what we have and try to be someone else and just be SAP. Yeah. And this is where the convergence of, yes, of course, if you look at the adjacency of a commerce with a portfolio of the rest of SAP, if you look at what Service Cloud can do with the rest of the portfolio of SAP and really leverage the capabilities that we have in right from supply chain to ERP to uh, to demand planning, for example, uh, in a retail context, all of that is very is very much there. And so, leveraging all of that makes it uh, gives a, a tremendous opportunity for for what we can do at SAP. And so, how does that really start happening in the product? Is very where we will really differentiate ourselves because a lot of companies can talk about these capabilities as well. If we can organically and natively bring some of these capabilities uh, integrated uh, into the portfolio, really leveraging the end-to-end -end story of the business processes that SAP is so uniquely positioned to understand, that's where the sweet spot is really. Yeah, and Ritu, you know, I think, um, you know, as you described this, there's uh, something that I've seen over the last, I guess it's like 18 to 24 months, it, coinciding, you know, perhaps with your arrival at SAP, but this more broadly, when I have spoken with businesses that have begun to use some industry-specific capabilities, they're They've been astonished by it, right? And in some ways they say, I don't ever want to go back to the one size fits all approach. And when you couple, as you've described here, the you know, the CX specialty on that with all of those capabilities of SAP behind it, it seems to be the type of thing that 
more and more businesses are looking for because their customers now are demanding more from them. So they can't just sort of come at it with, a, again, that one size fits all approach. Yeah. And, you know, as, as we think about how does this convergence come into being, there are two aspects of this. One is, yes, we think of the business processes that our customers and their customers have and how do we solve for those business processes. But more importantly, how do we do it that is uh, that is in a composable way of bringing these capabilities together so they're not tied to really having an A to Z kind of a business process, but they can, for example, have an A and a C and a D and an E, mm-hmm. and that doesn't necessarily need to flow through in a very uh, pre- predetermined manner, for example. And that composability of, yes, you are best with SAP, but it doesn't mean that you have to only be as an ERP SAP shop to be a CX, uh, CX at SAP shop. Um, and that's where the, you know, the native integration that increasingly I'm building into the CX solutions of ERP of supply chain is a differentiator, is our strength, and increasingly will be uh, the biggest thing that we will be investing in, but it doesn't mean that you are not able to use a retail solution that is uh, just tied to a commerce and an ERP for SAP. Well, Ritsu, you know, it's interesting. The you, You've mentioned a couple of times retail and you've got, you know, some big things coming up around the NRF show that we're going to talk about. But Retail is such an interesting example, right? Because you're head of the industries business and CX at SAP, but industries themselves are, uh, what is it, recombining in different ways now. If you look at the retail field, right, it's also creeps up into logistics and supply chain and consumer packaged goods. And there's just a, a less so of it being these, you know, hard boundaries around what industries were before. So, could you talk a little bit about what you see happening in what we call the retail space, but is becoming more and more a combination of multiple industries? Yeah, and it's not just in retail. The the Again, coming back to business processes and how customers and their customers think about the outcomes that they need to get from the, the solutions that they buy, the convergence of what they need in an automotive or a retail or a consumer packaged goods industry are very similar at, at, at a point. So if you go and if you want to buy a car today and you start your shopping experience online in a digital way, that's most that that's how the shopping experience begins also in a retail context of a high fashion good, for example. And so I want to buy a Burberry jacket or I want to buy a Porsche. The experience is, is you know, a direct to consumer potentially as a first step. Uh-huh. And I don't want the friction of buying a car to be able to have to buy and go through 10 dealerships, get different price codes and have different inventory levels and know that, hey, yes, I want this white car, and but it won't be available for the next 10 months. Uh-huh. Similarly, I want to buy a jacket and I want it to be available in my size, looking and feeling when I want it to be, let's say right before NRF. And it would be a lack of fulfilled promise if, yes, I went through the checkout process and I wanted to place the order for it to be available to me by this Friday. And it would be, it would be, you know, at the last step, hey, by the way, this is not available till October. And the same lack of 
um, inventory um, data still lack of knowing when can we fulfill our order? Will the experience of online to a physical store be the same experience? Will my order fulfillment be the same as if I bought it online and wanted to go and negotiate a deal in store? Would that be different? It's kind of the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Ritu, I, I, I don't have a, a lot of scientific data on this, but my experience individually and people I've talked to and the trends we see around businesses, once um, a seller puts out that type of experience that somebody says, oh, hey, I know we promised you this, but if you just come back in three months, six months, 10 months, then we'll have it for you. They're off. They're, they're done, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're done. And it starts from the very first point of discovery. So when you want to start looking for a product, I go online to a store and I make it extremely easy. And I, if I'm an end user, let's say it's extremely easy for me to discover a product in simple language mm -hmm. rather than having to go through 10 attributes of a product and trying to understand, hey, this A-line dress that I wanted to buy in red above the uh, above my knees is not something, how do I even search for that? Uh -huh. And that's where I think more and more of the customer experience starts. Or, or similarly, if I wanted to go and buy a car, I don't know all the parts and all the different like 10,000 items that, you know, I get as, as, as the features, supposedly. All I want is a car, which is an electric car, which is, which fulfills this kind of mileage and this kind of, of, uh, of requirements of, let's say, my fam family size. And so... As, as we think about this customer experience journey from the point of discovery to, put the, to the point of fulfillment, that integrated and end-to-end -end experience at every touch point of that journey is very important. And that's where the convergence of getting your product to fulfill that promise at every step, keeping the customer not just engaged, but also um, uh, making them easy to fulfill that promise. And then at every step and every time consistently over and over again, meeting that promise. And that's where the software can help so that that connected, connected experience is not uh, disjointed and it's not uh, surfaced in a way that's very consumable or easy. Well, that I, I think the, the point you make there about the consistency of it, Ritu, rather than somebody feeling like you know, we've seen these nightmares in the past of we buy something through one channel, try to turn another way, and you got to go through the whole thing. Well, you know, what's your name? What's your address? Where did you go to grade school? And, um, you know, on and on like that, it becomes so painful. And so you're taking the friction out, some of the pain out, and allowing then the sellers, your customers, to spend less time on those sorts of annoying and frustrating things and instead build that lifelong or at least long-term relationship with customers in in different ways but they've got to have the intelligence as you've described it to be able to do that good intentions are nice but they they, they don't uh, stack up to good data yeah exactly and data is the key here um and it's not just uh, at the point of sale it's also post sale yeah. and what happens past so the journey doesn't end there it kind of starts there if you're looking at brand loyalty uh-huh and these days, brand loyalty in the concept of retail, you think that, oh, yes, I'm extremely loyal to a brand. But simple things like, will I be able to return this good? How easy will this be to return the good? How flexible is it? And increasingly, what we are seeing is consumers do not want to return goods. Mm -hmm. 
they do not they do not want the hassle because it's a, it's it's just so annoying and so for, for the first step of you know retailers is of course how do you first not get there because as a retailer you don't want your inventory to be stuck in in the, in the in the whole process and that's where if you look at just pure data that's where most of their you know revenue is stuck in in, in just the return cycle uh-huh. so as a retailer you don't want it to be stuck in the in, in that cycle as a user you don't want to return goods yeah um, and so how does data then start powering that experience right from, again, the point of discovery to knowing this is exactly, let's say, to 80% accuracy, 90% accuracy is this is what, I'm, when I'm saying accuracy, I'm not talking about the intelligence accuracy, I'm talking about a prediction or a, a, a consumer behavior pattern that then surfaces to what they may need, personalization in context of where they are and meeting them where they are which then leads to fulfillment of an order that is perhaps more likely for a a return to not happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when a return happens, how easy do you make it? Um, You know, how are your policies? Uh, Is there flexibility to buy an online return in store or the other way around? Stuff like that also then helps um, inform the experience and data is key because if you know the customer, you know the profile, you know, the patterns, you know, the behavior, you know, the personalization of the marketing, it all flows through. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that coming to a head here, Ritu, I guess, at the event, the NRF, which was, I think, initially National Retail Federation, uh, it's sort of gone way beyond that now, as so many things have in this modern world. But you've got some fun things coming up there. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I, I talked about uh, demand planning, for example. So as a retailer, uh, there are peak seasons when you know that you know the holiday season uh, is peak, but that was traditionally the case. And now you know retailers buy through the year. They're kind of looking at how do we, as a retailer, how do we, uh, how do I anticipate this demand? How do I plan for it? How do I forecast for it? How do I scale for it in a self a self learning model, which is not just based on relying on uh, on patterns alone. And so that's that's one thing. So we're doing a lot more on predictive demand planning. Uh, then the replenishment of, uh, of, of inventory and how does the store replenishment look like? How does it phase out? How do you not have extreme highs and lows uh-huh. in inventory supply, for example? Um, and then this is where the integration to the supply chain is so important, which only SAP can think through the entire value chain. Uh, how flexible can those be? How What are the optimal order quantities, for example? How do you do cost optimization? So that's on the replenishment side. Uh, And then there are a bunch of things that uh, we are doing on order management and sourcing. Uh, You know, if, if for example, you know that um, you have, you're a retailer and you you need to replenish uh, yogurt. How does that happen? Because yogurt is such a a high, um, you know, it it can get bad really quickly and it's, you know, its shelf life is really uh, low. And so how do you really forecast? How do you schedule? How do you order the correct quantities at the right place, at the right locations, keeping the costs in mind? And so these are just few of the things that we are bringing to my point earlier of the back office of the inventory supply chain data, really powering that experience. Because this is for the retailer, but how does it experience, the experience change for the, for the consumer is you get what you want at the place you want. Yeah. Ritu, you mentioned there the back office. Are you seeing companies start to 
in some ways think beyond that. You you can't really let's get out of the back office, front office, middle office, and just have every a, a, a seamless flow of the right sort of data, the right sort of data getting to the right people at the right time. Yeah, yeah. This this whole notion of which office doesn't doesn't really matter. It's it's um, for the users. It's I I need it and I know when I need it. Give it to me. For the retailers, they what they care about um, or wholesalers too is how do I really think of this as an outcome I need to uh, to uh, provide to my uh, customers, and they they want to buy a solution. They don't necessarily care of how many products does that solution really fulfill. Uh -huh. And this is the experience I want to give to our, our, our end user. How do I really fulfill this? And then the second thing is the total cost, um, uh, the share of wallet and the cost, uh, total cost um, that they are really expanding over a period of, let's say, 10 years or 15 years. And how does that optimization happen? Because, you know, costs, you know, it's still a hard economy. It's still the, you know, the kind of money that the uh, that companies are spending on digital transformation is huge. And so for them, it's also a question of what am I getting for this investment? Uh, and that's where they don't care about A, B, front office, back office product. It's like, what is that product that will get me to that value? Yeah. And the customer sure doesn't care about front office, back office. You say it's October. Uh, it, you can't get your jacket till October, but it's January now. But it's not my problem. It's the back office <laughs> I don't think anybody, right. oh, well, if, that, if it's back office, then sure, I'll, I'll still go ahead. Hey, Ritu, now I want to say here, uh, we might have set a record because we've been chatting for almost 20 minutes and we have not talked about AI or Gen AI. Could you talk about, though, the role that clearly you're talking about this very advanced type of demand planning? How is that uh, playing a, a part here in these new um, opportunities from SAP? Except it's not a record because as I talked about how does that catalog discovery happen? Huh. How does that demand planning happen? How does that forecasting happen? I talked about intelligence. Yeah. All of that. And this is how I see this. It doesn't have to be a conversation necessarily about AI or gen AI, but what does that do for the business process? Yeah. And again, going back to my first example of the catalog, for example, as a store manager, that I need to understand that A-line dress that I need to order that is above my need length doesn't just happen to be a search I can do if it is not powered by, uh, by natural language and like the attribute definitions that happen in the back office and the back end to power that experience that says, yes, it will search as an A-line, but the product description needs to also in the back end be updated to be an A-line. And so traditionally, a store manager would have to manually go and do this work. Now with the use of AI and Gen AI, you can not only parse all of those attributes through your catalog, you can also go through Gen AI and write the product description in a matter of seconds that would have been surfaced to you. And then you can take that and push it to all of your uh, uh, products that are in that uh, uh, category. And it ought, it does that from, let's say, two to three days that the catalog manager needed to do in the past to seconds now. Yeah. And that's one of the many use cases, or you talk about 
yes, I like this pink blazer or this gray jacket that you're wearing. I take a picture and I go and post it on, let's say I'm going to, uh, to Patagonia and I want a closest match to this jacket. Now through AI, it will not only just parse that you're wearing this jacket, let's say you're also wearing jeans and you're wearing boots. It goes through all of those. It, it parses that it's three articles and it gives a closest match on the Patagonia store, for example. Uh-huh. All right. And so these are just few of the things. And not only that, how can you, how can you as an end user just get it so easily is because in the back, back, back end, the AI um, uh, models that we are building uh, augmented with large language models, uh, it gives all of that flexibility to the product description, to the way that enrichment happens, to the way that, you know, we are really surfacing all of that attributes of the of the product. And that's how technology will, and the retail, the retail experience is going to get the most hit with AI. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at some data recently where uh, the prediction is it's up to a 13 trillion impact on business outcomes through AI driven um uh, technologies for for these uh, industries, retail being up to a trillion by twenty thirty, mm-hmm. and so that's that's the outcome. And when I say a trillion, which is like what outcome can it power? What you know? What uh, order volume? What cart size? What uh, uh, share of wallet can uh, you know can be captured as retailers? And that opportunity opportunity of a trillion by twenty thirty is just huge. And this is this is where AI can definitely expedite, make it more productive, make it more optimized, for example. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> Rita, I want to thank you for that excellent point there about, no, we have been talking about um, these new technologies, just not specifically saying, here's what it is. And I, I think it'd be great to get to that point, right? The AI phenomenon is wonderful and gen AI, it's all great, but this maybe it's time we stop uh, making that the center of the conversation and instead talk about more as you did, here's what this means to help a, a business be more successful. Yeah, and from for SAP especially, what we're trying to do and specifically in CX is not get just tied to, let's say, one large language model vendor or a technology. It's evolving super quickly. Not that we are not doing our own investments and thinking about our own um, uh, models and AI models, which is not new, but the the problem is, if we were to solve for business outcomes first uh, and not as a second, then you know we we can get easily distracted by just technology being there for the sake of technology, yeah. and that's where my focus is. Um, at Sapphire, actually, this year already we announced um, more of uh, the AI capabilities at CX Live. Uh, I announced more of them. And now uh, we were able to generally um, uh, make these things available in December. Now my whole aspect is how are my customers using these? Are they getting any benefit out of this? If not, then we need to cut our losses and come back and think about what really is going to move that needle for them to be more optimized, to have like better efficiency of whatever operations they have. And I see this as a simple, simple metric. This is uh, on one axis is the outcomes or the value that it gets. And this is the repetitive tasks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so think of it as repetitive tasks and outcomes. You know, we can absolutely get that squared out. Like the repetitive task I talked about as a product description updation, yeah. you know, very repetitive done. And then 
as you get more towards the left, it gets more complex, mm-hmm. right? But but the focus still needs to be at the high value, high high outcome tasks, rather than trying to just do automation for everything that may be a low hanging fruit, but mm-hmm. will not get any value for our customers and their customers. Now that's a great perspective on it, Ritu, and I I hope that uh, lots of folks will listen to that way of you know getting the priorities straight and not getting overly caught up in the the seeming magic of the technology. Um, Ritu, before we wrap up, is there anything you want to be sure to mention here? Can I give you the last word? Yeah, thank you. Again, the the name of the game is optimizing the whole mm-hmm. and thinking about and being laser focused on what outcomes are we solving for. I'm extremely, extremely um, excited about what AI can do, what our integrated suite can do, but as as you think about what SAP will do this year and the, in the years to come is laser focused on the outcomes of what our customers are asking independent of solutions. And so optimizing the whole, looking at it as a connected intelligence CX that solves for outcomes at every step of the journey. Well, great. Perfect way to end it, Ritu. Thank you. Good chatting with you and thanks for this update and good luck at, uh, at NRF. Thank you so much. Always great chatting with you. Same here, folks. Thanks to all of you for being with us here on this Cloud Wars interview with Ritu Bargava, president of SAP CX and Industries. We'll see you next time.